0: You're listening to the Fantasy Sports Radio Network.
1: College Football Today.
0: Roaring into the 2017 College Bowl season, Heisman talk, Army Navy on deck. What better way to break it down than right here on College Football Today? We talked about some of the recent coaching hires. A very intriguing hire is Arkansas taking SMU head coach Chad Morris. Brett Brioma couldn't get it done in Fayetteville, and I think Chad Morris is up against it, Rich, from a personnel perspective. I think it's going to take him a couple years to get the Razorbacks back on track in the SEC West.
2: Yeah, and, and I think Arkansas will be patient. I think they realize what they are up against, the challenges of coaching in the SEC West. The talent base is good, but not great, especially compared to some of the heavyweights like LSU, like Alabama, like Auburn at this point. But I I think Arkansas upgraded. Bielema had to go. It had been too long. He wasn't turning things around. And, you know, during the offseason, we talked a lot about Chad Morris. I was outspoken. I thought he would be the Texas A&M coach, right? Right. I I had told you I thought uh, Kevin Sumlin would get fired. A&M would go after uh, Chad Morris instead obviously got Jimbo Fisher now Arkansas has Chad Morris Chad Morris forget the record at SMU I mean he he completely took over a dumpster fire began to turn that program around had success let's remember that if Chad Morris did not leave Clemson for SMU and took over a program that was in disarray he would have been arguably the hottest coordinator in terms of Uh, head coaches looking for a promotion. He would have been the hottest coordinator in the country, working for Dabo Sweeney, elevating Deshaun Watson while he was at Clemson. So I think this is a very good hire. He knows the landscape of Texas, Arkansas, to be successful, has to recruit in the Lone Star State. Chad is a former high school coach, very successful high school coach. I think it's a good hire.
0: I think it's a great hire, too. He'll bring a wide-open attack. When you look at SMU's production, I mean, he had two big play wide receivers in Trey Quinn and Cortland Sutland that combined for 23 receivers receiving touchdowns this year. I think the one aspect, when you look at Arkansas's progression in 2018, it's not so much the recruiting. It is what he has in the cupboard this year. Brett Bioma has a very physical offensive line, a heavy offensive line from his days at Wisconsin. Those guys go 330, 340. They're a pro-style offense that he ran there with Dan Anos, uh, his offensive coordinator. They want to run the football between the tackles, work off a play action. So from a speed perspective on the perimeter, that's not Chad Morris's personnel yet. Now, it will take some time, and there are going to be some growing pains going up against teams like LSU and Alabama and the revitalization of Auburn under Gus on. And now with Jimbo Fisher and Texas A&M, I mean,
2: he really is up against it. How long will they wait, though? Well, I, I think they're going to have no choice but to be patient. You bring up a really good point. Anytime there's a leadership change, coaching change, there's different philosophies, a need for different kinds of personnel. And you're right. The big bodies, the power running game that existed under Brett Bielema now is going to be replaced by more of a wide open attack. Chad Morris likes athletic quarterbacks, players who can you know utilize the RPO, make plays with their arm and their legs. So it's going to take time. I, I think Arkansas realizes that two, two, three years down the line, they're not going to be winning the SEC West, but I do think there'll be a better program
0: have to go back to the days of queen grovey and barry foster and maybe a little billy ray smith and my favorite to Corey birmingham back in the day when we come back we'll be breaking down army navy keep it where it is joe lisi and rich sermonello live on the fantasy sports radio network studio 34 3.30, Army, Navy. Last year, the Cadets got the 21-17 victory over the midshipmen that snapped a 14-game losing streak. Ahmad Bradshaw, that rushing attack that's rushed in every game this year, Rich, for over 200 yards. I think they get it going against, I want to say, a soft Navy defense in Philadelphia. I'm calling for the upset, mild upset,
2: 30-20. to 20. Both, Army both these defenses are kind of so I hate to I I hate to I use like the, Army's I don't like to use the term soft when it comes to our service academies mm-hmm. but defensively Uh, I I think both will be flexed in this game. You have two teams that can run the ball. I like Navy in this game. I can't say I love them. These games are always close. Six of the last seven decided by a touchdown or less. I think this one will be tight as well. Two very similar teams, ability to run the ball. I kind of like Navy because that quarterback situation has been muddled for much of the year. Now there's been a break. Zach Aby is as healthy as he's been since the beginning of the season. And while Zach Aby was hurt, it gave Ken Niamatololo an opportunity to unleash Malcolm Perry, a slot back who got under center. So now you have sort of a one-two punch in Malcolm Perry and Zach Aby. Let me just throw this out, too. I know it has no impact on anything that we normally talk about in terms of playoffs or even the bowl game because you know these two programs are already set in terms of where they'll be bowling. But this game is bigger than any game we'll watch all season. Love Auburn, Alabama, Michigan, Ohio State, USC, UCLA. This, to me, is the quintessence of a rivalry. It transcends football. It transcends the boundaries of our country because you're going to have members of the service academies all over this great planet who are going to be paying attention to this game. So if you have never watched Army Navy, if you've never attended Army Navy, make it a point. Make it on, the, uh, on your bucket list of sports moments. you got to attend this game.
0: Rich will be running for office next year. Uh, So, cast your ballot for Rich Sermonello. Here's what I look at when I break this game down from a physicality perspective for Army. You look at the games that they won this year from defensive fronts that they, they dominated. Duke, they won that matchup 21-16, to but Duke is very solid in run support, and Temple, they were able to really move the football on that front seven uh, of the Temple Owls. And here's the other factor. When they played that game against Ohio State earlier in the year uh, in the horseshoe, Nick Bosa, that defensive front seven, Ty- Tyquan Lewis. I mean, they moved the football for over 200 yards in that ballgame, and they were down 14 to 7 at one point against the great Ohio State Buckeyes. Here's the other factor when I look at Army's offense they're converting 52% of their third down conversions. You yeah. look at Navy from a defensive perspective, they're giving up 46% on third downs, and Army is plus four in turnover margin. Navy enters this game negative six. Now, when you look at rival games, I'll take the team that can run the football better, create turnovers, and not turn the football over. And that's why I look for Army to get a 10-point
2: victory later today. You see the difference in this game for me, Joe, and again, these are two extremely similar programs. Ken Niamatololo's done a great job at Navy. Jeff Monken, to me, could be a Coach of the Year candidate in 2017. He's been that good. Army has an opportunity uh, to win the Commander-in-Chief's Trophy for the first time since 1996. So it's been 21 years. This is monumental for the Black Knights. But the difference for me is playing in the American, I think Navy is more of a battle-tested program. I look at their schedule. You know, They've played Notre Dame. They've played the FAUs, the Houston's, the Memphises. I think they've played a, a better level of competition. Army has not beaten a team this year. An FBS program with a winning record. They've only faced two teams from the FBS that are over 500. They're 0 2 in those games. So I have a lot of respect for what Coach Monkin has done. And I like Ahmad Bradshaw, despite the fact that there are now some off field allegations that are surfacing. I don't know what kind of an impact that'll have on, on the program. And and Mod Ma- and, uh, Ma- Bradshaw's mindset, but I think Navy has just played a tougher level of competition, more battle-tested, and although both won it so badly after the 14-game winning streak was snapped last year, Navy desperately wants to sing second at the end of this game in Philadelphia. Great points,
0: Counselor. When you talk about Navy, they did put up 559 rushing yards on SMU, and they did beat Lane Kiffin earlier in the year, week number one. I mean, FAU cannot snap the football, but both of those teams are finesse offenses and defenses. They're not physical defenses from a defense a tackle perspective, and that's what I look at when you look at Army's progression. They went up against big physical defensive tackles with Ohio State they were able to pound the rock for over 200 yards Duke like I mentioned and Temple so that's why I like Ahmad Bradshaw and the the rushing offense of Army that is averaging over 300 yards per game heading into this ball game they did have two games where they rushed for over 500 this year another two games where they rushed for over 400 and four games this year over 300 yards so if they could dictate tempo early on I think Army will win this matchup I'll say this also about the game. Uh, there is bad weather expected. We're getting snow here in the East Coast, New York, New Jersey. The game's played in Philadelphia, and they've been pounding the under. The the total for this game opened up at 51, knocked it down to 45, and I think this game is a high scoring game from that aspect. A lot of people think it's going to be just three yards and a cloud of dust. I don't see that as being a factor in this matchup because of the triple option, Rich. I look at this game Army's ability to put pressure on the perimeter when you have teams like the triple option in both teams army and navy where you can run on the perimeter if there is bad weather bad rain bad snow those linebackers getting to the edge is going to be a cause of concern and you could have huge plays in the running game that's why i like the over in this matchup
2: Yeah, I I think that makes a lot of sense. I'm not in love with either of these defenses, too. Both are allowing close to five yards per carry. So, you know, Army wants to run the ball, Navy wants to run the ball, and I think both will have success. You know, Army has had success when they haven't even attempted a pass this year. (laughs) And, And this might be one of those games. I don't know if Ahmad Bradshaw will even attempt one. I don't know if he'll have to. But again, I look at Navy they were forced to get more out of malcolm perry very fast maybe the fastest player on the midshipman team i think the fact that he became an integral part of that offense in november now that you combine him with zach abe who was playing so well in the beginning of the season before he got hurt that one-two punch that flash of abe and malcolm perry i think that'll be the story in this game and again. You have it as a 10-point spread. I think it'll be much closer. I really think this will come down to a final possession. This will be a close game in the fourth quarter. These games are always tight, always hotly contested. It could go either way. That's why I don't have a strong betting feel to it. But I'll take I'll take the over as well. You're against I'll, me though with uh, with Navy. Right? I'll go Navy twenty eight, Army twenty four. In just a, much like last year, another epic close game between the two academies. Yeah,
0: Army scored first last year, and they were able to dictate the tempo. They also won the turnover battle in that matchup. And when you look at the passing game for both teams, Army is averaging thirty passing yards per game. Navy a little bit better at ninety one passing yards per game. Uh, when you look at sack totals heading into this matchup. The the front seven of Army does have 24 total sacks. Navy enters this matchup with 15 total sacks on the year. So if Ahmad Bradshaw does have time, I mean Army's only allowed one total sack all year long because they run it each and every play. So we'll see how it plays out. The one thing I can tell you watching Army and Navy not just against each other, but throughout the years, guys like Ronnie McAda from Army, guys like Napoleon McCallum. I mean, that that's what
2: makes may watching armed forces football so special in terms of college football today. Yeah, and, and, and it really is all about today's game. I mean, these are players that are not, you know, and, and we're going to talk a lot throughout the month of December. We'll probably have debates in the coming weeks about, you know, uh, Derwin James is not going to suit up for Florida State. Right. Uh, Connor Williams uh, for Texas. He's not going to play in his bowl game. And there might be a spate of players. will It'll be a similar situation. For these Army and Navy players, there is no NFL future. For the seniors... This will, in all likelihood, be the last time, bowl game notwithstanding, it'll be the last time that they face the the other academy. I mean, this is a big deal for these programs. You know, the march into the stadium, the flyovers, this is very Americana. This really matters at a deep level that, again, transcends the NFL and transcends what we normally talk about.
0: And when you think of bowl matchups, 1985 stands out for me, Fulton County Stadium, Army knocks off Illinois and Jack Trudeau in a complete monsoon. And when you look at 1996 with Terry Bowden and Auburn, Army steps up. 1988, Sun Bowl, Alabama and Army. You have to love this about college football. We're different than the pros. I mean, you you look at the midshipmen. I mean, they step up
2: against Notre Dame, almost pilled that victory out. I mean, this is what it's all about if you're a college football fan. A lot of passion, a lot of dedication. Uh, The men, the young men who will be playing in this game, they are the total package of student-athletes. These are kids who are up at 5.30 in the morning, usually don't stop studying until 10, 11 o'clock night. I, I think they really are the epitome of what's great about college athletics. When we
0: come back, we'll be breaking down the college football semifinal games in just a little bit. Keep it where it is. Joe Lisi and Rich Sermonella live on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network, Studio 34. 84 fntsy That's 844-843-6879. The Fantasy Sports Radio Network, your free fantasy source 24 hours a day. College football playoff: Alabama and Clemson, Georgia and Oklahoma. Rich, when we talked about Alabama sneaking in over Ohio State... I think, personally, when you look at the committee's decision, I understand Alabama a little light this year, but I think TV ratings did play a part in the decision. You look at Ohio State's loss to Oklahoma earlier in the year at home by 15 points, and then you look at the dominating Clemson win over the Buckeyes, 31 to nothing last year. I think that played a factor into this decision, and that's why they decided to take Nick Saban and Alabama, because three straight years now with that matchup, to see who got the yeah. victory, Tigers or Crimson Tide, was much better than rematches with Ohio State.
2: Yeah, it's an interesting point. The word that I was going to use was trust. I think the committee just has far more trust in Alabama. They they want to pit the four best teams, two and two, one, uh, against one another. That committee has trust in Nick Saban and Alabama. They don't have the same level of trust in Ohio State, and you brought it up, and I agree with you. I, I think they'll never admit it, right. but last week's, uh, last year's game against Clemson was bad for college football, bad for the playoff committee. It made that decision to leave out Penn State in lieu of Ohio State look terrible because they got completely trampled by Clemson. That's not going to happen with Alabama. Alabama may not win, but they are never going to lay an egg in this spot with Nick Saban, with a defense that was not healthy late in the year, will have an entire month to get healthy. This will be a better looking Alabama program. I think it came down to trust. You trust the Alabama product. You want to see the Tide versus the Tigers. Rubber match. Third meeting. Ohio State if they imploded again in this setting, it would have looked bad for the entire committee. And
0: two thousand and fifteen as well. When you look at that matchup, Alabama dominated Connor Cook and Michigan State 38 to nothing. So the Big Ten in terms of these semifinal games since 2014 really hasn't stepped up to the plate. And I think that factored into the decision. Now, when you look at this rematch, three straight years, Alabama and Clemson, I still think the best team in the nation is the Clemson Tigers for their ability on the defensive side of the the ball to really force teams out of their game plan and I said it before I think Dabo Sweeney just like Nick Saban is a big game head coach. He coaches up that talent, especially on the defensive side of the ball. And when you look at the Achilles heel of Alabama early on this year, their third down conversions, if you force Jalen Hurts in the pocket and force him to make his reads and progressions, Alabama struggled offensively. And I give the edge in this matchup to Clemson. I'm calling, I like this game early on. I I think Clemson wins a 14 point game over Alabama in the semifinal.
2: Well, I haven't decided on a spread or a score yet, but I, I agree with you, and I, I totally agree with what you said about Dabo Sweeney. It was it was sort of a foregone conclusion that it was Nick Saban number one, Urban Meyer number two, and then let's battle it out with coaches like Chris Peterson and and Dabo. Dabo's getting closer and closer to Urban Meyer, in my opinion. I, mean, I, agree. I, I think he's, he's getting close to becoming the second best coach in the country, does a remarkable job of having his kids ready year after year, new quarterback this season. This was going to be the year that Florida State was supposed to win the ACC. Instead, it's Clemson. Clemson, number one in the country the year after losing arguably their best certainly the best quarterback, maybe one of the best players in the history in Deshaun Watson. He's done a remarkable job. I agree with you also in terms of Alabama. The problem I have is Jalen Hurts. I mean, if you put him in situations where he can't use his legs, where it is third and long, they're 55th in the country in third down conversions. And a lot of that falls on the shoulders of, of Jalen Hurts, who has not done a great job in a pocket. I don't think he has developed as much as I expected as a sophomore. And now against that Clemson defense, that ornery front four, that terrific linebacker quarterback, Core, led by Dorian O'Daniel, I think that's going to be a big problem for Alabama, and I think it'll be competitive. I'm very curious to monitor the health progress of that Alabama defense, particularly those linebackers. But to me, I think Clemson is the team to beat. I'd love to see Clemson versus Georgia or Clemson versus Oklahoma.
0: Yeah, and here's the matchup from uh, Clemson's offense attacking Alabama. I mean, the one M.O. to beat Alabama is, in my opinion, you have to stretch them vertically on seam routes, and Clemson has the type of personnel to do that. Spread out those linebackers, run uh, down the field on the edge, put pressure from a quarterback perspective with Kelly Bryant's legs, and then work off a play action against those linebackers and defensive backs, so from an offensive perspective, that's what Clemson has and they've done it now in back-to-back years that up-tempo offenses give, given Nick Saban, Kirby Smart, and Jeremy Pruitt a lot of headaches in, in both games when they played, so I, I think it's going to be a very intriguing matchup. I'll say this about Alabama, not just in terms of third down conversions. I look at this matchup as well. Calvin Ridley leads that team in terms of total receptions. There's not another player that is even close to taking the pressure off of Jalen Hurts or Calvin Ridley in that matchup, and the one one thing when you look at Clemson's defense overall, they have the ability to double team Calvin Ridley and really play nickel for much of the game and force him in the pocket. The other factor is this: last year you had Garrett Dieter, you had guys like Ardarius Stewart, you had a tight end in OJ Howard that really forced Clemson to force and, and not double team Calvin Ridley from the start of the game to the end of the game. This year you. Do do not have that type of personnel. There are raw, raw wide receiver core guys like Jerry Judy, and yep. uh, you look at that
2: group. I that's the matchup that I'm keeping an eye out when I break this game down. No, I mean, the difference from last year in that receiving core of Alabama versus this year is night and day. Calvin Ridley is a next-level wide receiver, but you're spot on. I mean, our Darius Stewart was vastly underrated as a college wide receiver. O.J. Howard was a first-round draft choice legitimately of the Buccaneers. So, you know, th- this is a program that, yeah, we always focus on the running backs and they're deep at running back receivers. He does not have enough targets right now to exploit that Clemson defense. And one quick point – The type of offenses that traditionally give problems to Nick Saban, Alabama defenses are ones that have an athletic quarterback, and that's exactly what Tony Elliott and that Clemson staff is going to be trying to utilize over the next month. How can we get Kelly Bryant in space? He is not a complete quarterback yet. He's not a great passer either, but he has great legs. He can make plays outside the pocket. He'll be 100% as well. I think it's a great chess match, but at the end of the day, Clemson right now might be the premier program in college football. And they're going to have an opportunity on New Year's Day to prove it. Most
0: complete team in the country in yeah. my opinion. So we'll see how that game plays out. When you look at the other matchup, Oklahoma and Georgia, my dogs are barking. Ruff, ruff.
2: You you must have been
0: twenty eight to seven you over must the Auburn Tigers. I was barking. You, oh. you you have no idea how I was watching yeah. that game. I stood for six hours before the game and after the game. I was so amped up when my Bulldogs got the W. They sounds felt like me.
2: Texas A and M. That sounds like Kyle Field. You stood throughout the whole I, game. I, huh? I,
0: yeah, without without a doubt, wow. I stood up until. Clemson and Miami. Then I took a, a little load off, and when Clemson jumped up twenty-one oh, to nothing, then I relaxed, had my first cup of coffee for the day. But when you look at this matchup, it really is a contrast in styles. You have a high-octane offense led by probably Heisman Trophy winner Baker Mayfield and those wide receivers and running backs, and then you have a blue-collar team in Georgia that's going to want to run the football with Sony Michelle, Nick Chubb, Swift, Elijah Holyfield. It's it is a chess match because for me, if Georgia Georgia falls behind in this matchup. Could be a long day for Jake Fromm and that offense to match Baker Mayfield score for score. But something tells me Kirby Smart has a pulse on this team. I think they can run the football. And I'm calling right now. College football today. Georgia 13 point or more victory over the Oklahoma Sooners.
2: Yeah, listen, I'm going to reserve the right to change my (laughs) mind because we're going to have a couple of weeks of evaluation before we get to that point. But my initial first look is Clemson in the Sugar Bowl, Georgia in the Rose Bowl. Because, you know, defense at this time of year wins championships. Offense wins most of the regular bowl games. I like to go with the better offensive team if we're talking about a garden variety December bowl game. But when you're talking playoffs... I like the better defense. Georgia clearly has the better defensive unit. Uh, Excellent speed. Roquan Smith, David Bellamy, Lorenzo Carter at the second level. Stout up front. Good secondary throughout the season. I don't think they shut down Oklahoma. I don't think anybody shuts down Oklahoma at this point, but it sort of reminds me of what we saw in the past when Chip Kelly had his offenses. You know, they they ran through the Pac-12, put up gaudy numbers. The Marcus Mariotas. You know, I think Oklahoma is a similar type of team. I think they'll be soft against a Georgia, against a really physical SEC team. I think Baker Mayfield is going to have problems and. The best defense for Georgia is going to be that running game. I don't think they're going to be able to stop the depth of that backfield. The Chubbs, the Sony Michels, DeAndre Swift, who I think could be a factor like he was against Auburn, I think that's going to be. I think they're going to play ball control offense at this stage. I, I like a Clemson Georgia that's what National like. Championship game. I, like.
0: I was very impressed the way the way Georgia made adjustments after falling behind seven to nothing. They got the turnover in the red zone. The sack by Bellamy on Jared Stidham really turned that game around. But their physicality in the second half against Kerryon Johnson, I know probably he wasn't a hundred percent, but they also utilized Sony Michelle Swift and Holyfield and. Chubb in the short to intermediate passing game to put pressure on a physical Auburn Tiger defense. Now, when you look at apples to apples, I think Auburn has a much better defense than Oklahoma in that matchup. And when you look at Oklahoma in that game against West Virginia, West Virginia did rush the football for 251 yards on the ground against that Sooner front seven, and they utilized a wildcat I think that could be a factor, and the other factor is this: Rich Kirby Smore in revenge games, five and zero, and has won those games by thirty-one and a
2: half points per game. Joe, quickly, one thing I want to point out: Jake Fromm. At this point, I'm not saying he's going to be Baker Mayfield or outplay Baker Mayfield. He's no longer a true freshman at this stage of his first season. I expect to him to him to have the kind of game where he's, you know, maybe fifteen of 20, 246 yards, two touchdowns, no picks. I think he's going to be very steady at this stage of his opening.
0: And the extra bowl prep will benefit him in a big way. So keep an eye out for that as they inch towards that ball game. When we come back, we'll be joined by Gabe Lorenzi. Get his best bets for the day, Joe Lisi and Rick Sermonello, live on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network Studio 34. of the year we're talking heisman army navy bowl games fcs playoffs if you want to get the best bets for your weekend you get game time decisions host gabe morency gabe how are you today
1: and hey, we're doing good uh, Joel. the bet the best bets could be a uh, few and far between today not a lot of stuff uh, going on uh, i got a pick for the mls cup that's football
2: too right <laughs> in some we'll parts talk- of the world it is football yes
1: yeah, you know, I can tell you, Canisius are on a nine-game win streak on, on the ice, NCAA hockey. <laughs> <laughs>
2: I'm, I'm, I, I'm impressed that right. you you nailed that pronunciation. Not everybody gets Canisius down pat.
1: <laughs> well, come on, man! Uh, you know, where, where where am I speaking to you from right now? You know, I, I think I could walk to the campus uh, from here. Not that I want to. Well,
0: Gabe, Gabe, let's get your take on some of the coaching hires. Rich and I have kicked it back. Willie Taggart to Florida State. Chad Morris at uh, Arkansas. I mean, we saw Scott Frost go back to Nebraska. Any thoughts about some of the recent coaching hires that we've seen at the FBS level?
1: The ugliest part of college football and college athletics is what we see right now. Uh, After months and two-a-day practices and blood, sweat, and tears of coaches... Preaching loyalty and dedication and doing things the right way, uh, they they turn around and uh, and bolt before the season's uh, over. For shame, Jimbo Fisher! You know what? You're a clown, man. You you couldn't even look at the fans in the in the eye at your little weekly radio show. There, you had people kicked out when someone asked you about loyalty. And I love these college coaches. They all bust out that oh gee, shucks, golly, I don't I don't read Twitter at all. I I don't read Twitter at all. Hey, coach! You don't have to read Twitter to be negotiating behind your university's back. I, I God, gee, shut! I'll leave all that other stuff for the other people. <laughs> I'm just here for Florida State. Bam! I'm gone Friday. You know, Willie Tiger's a class act. He's coached three teams in 365 days. You know, a big, big loyalty from from Willie. You know, from Willie. You know, I don't respect these guys. I'll be honest with you. I think they're low lives. I think they're charlatans. And I think the NCAA, well, whatever, they're even worse. Like, I don't know if there's worse people than government. I think we found them. Like, honestly, like, you know, Congress, you know, has what, like a 15% approval? You know, the NCAA would, like, have, like, a 6% approval. It it sickens me. It absolutely sickens me to to see the hypocrisy. And it's, you know, everything they do is to the detriment of the kids. (laughs) Like, everything that they do. Is to the detriment of the kids. Props to Scott Frost for actually having a heart and caring about the kids uh, that he actually coaches. Uh, but to me, the NCAA has got to put a uh, a hiring freeze in place. You know, you can't do this. Uh, either the bowl games count or they don't. All right. So I'm sort of going on that tangent. I know you guys are, you know, friends with some of these coaches. And I'm not going to say that every college coach is, is a low life. I'll say about 75% of them. Uh, but, um, as far as as far as the hires are concerned I don't know what the hell the Oregon Ducks are doing guys you know I don't know are they aware they have all this money They see this logo here guys are you aware you know, no offense to Mario Cristobal the guy should be a head coach in the Sunbelt or the Mac you're giving this guy the keys right now to, to, come on man I mean to watch somebody's hires go on it's funny Tennessee looks like they did a solid job despite their best efforts <laughs> although I will say it's kind of a safe hire. We hired the guy from Bama. So if it doesn't work out, well, you know, we, we got the guy from Alabama. But I don't have a problem with the Pruitt uh, hire. The Scott Frost is a home run in Nebraska, obviously. My biggest, my biggest shock in all of this is I don't know what the hell's going on up there in Eugene and why didn't they open up? Phil Knight didn't get on the phone and call Lane Kiffin. I mean, really? You know, Mario Cristobal, you're going to compete right now with Chip Kelly and the USC Trojans and what Elton's got going on up there? Uh, I, to me, Lane Kiffin's the perfect fit for the Ducks, guys.
2: Yeah, I totally agree. I, I, uh, Gabe, I put that tweet out this week. I, I thought it made sense. For me, Ball, I just would like your take on this. Cristobal was kind of a uh, stopgap sort of a move. It's late in the process. Lane Kiffin aside, if you couldn't get Lane Kiffin, I don't know if there were a lot of other great candidates uh, for Oregon, and I think they bowed to the pressure of their players. There was a petition that was signed by the Duck players, I think 70-plus uh ducks actually signed a petition for crystal to stay so i think they bowed I, to the I pressure of that. what took place in the locker room i don't know if there were any let's take lane out of it. i think lane would have been perfect i think his offensive acumen would have been perfect for oregon but outside of kiffin you're know, getting close to mid-december i don't know really where oregon was going to go at this I point
1: uh, i know i know and is, is crystal better than, than what kevin Sumlin would have brought to the table I don't know. I think Kevin Sumlin's getting uh, disrespected uh, a little bit uh, along the way here. Um, you know, I, I can't disagree uh, with, with, with the situation. But you look when you, you look at the players, though, and this is the thing that what bothers me. And I didn't like the inmates run the asylum deal in, in the NFL. They're not, you know, they're not inmates. They're partners. You guys are partners in a business in which you're splitting the revenue. So they're not even employees. They, the NFL players are partners, but. It doesn't sit well with me, and, uh, Rich, we're talking about kids here, all right? These kids are going to be gone from the university next year and then the following year after that. These kids shouldn't be telling the university who they want as the coach. Yeah, it's, just, it's as simple as that. That's all good, kid, but when, you know, when you're work, working at Walmart in two years, yeah, he's still our coach right now. It's all cute that you wanted him and you liked him. You know, Life is a business, man. This is a business. This isn't about pleasing a bunch of 18-year-old kids uh, that don't know anything about coaching, don't know anything about running a program, don't know anything about raising money, don't know anything about boosters. Uh, To me, I I don't like that. Oh, the kids, the kids. The kids are going to be gone, man. All right? The the, the kids, does does your kid, do do your teenagers tell you? What neighborhood you want to live in, Rich?
2: Nope. nope they, have, they have they have no say. My children have very little say over anything that goes on. I, I'm in I, a great mood this morning. I run a. I'm really happy. I run a tight dictatorship uh, in my this house. He's running for office next week, Gabe. Well, I want I, I, I want to get your take though
0: because you bring up the the kids running the asylum. Well, let's look at Arizona State. hermed her Edwards a perfect example. Wouldn't Lane Kiffin have been the perfect hire in Tempe?
1: Lane Kiffin's the perfect hire everywhere. I am the president <laughs> of Lane Kiffin <laughs> fan club right now. Lane Kiffin to the NFL, man. All right. Um, you know, all kidding aside, I think FAU, and we'll get to the FAU bowl game. Uh, you know, when we get to it, but I think that's a shame. I think I think that's a shame uh, as well. But as far as Arizona State is concerned, I should. I don't know. I'll ask you guys. You guys are real college football guys. I should dislike this and go, I don't know, man, the guy's a coach college football ever before. He hasn't been around the you know the, the sport forever. But after watching his press conference, how can I not want more of that every week? <laughs> uh, forget about Mike Leach. Uh, forget about Nick Saban. Nick Saban's press conferences are gold, actually. He's actually really funny at his press conferences. But hey, yeah, Herman Edwards, that was the best press conference I've ever seen, man. You know, Herman Ed- I think Herm Edwards just walked in and blew them away. They're like, damn, we gotta hire this guy. I really, you know, what's the old saying? You you can sell ice to an Eskimo. Herm Edwards is that charismatic, you know, that, you know, that good of a speaker, that contagious. You want to be around that personality. I don't know how it translated in recruiting. Yeah. But, Gabe, Gabe, did you you do
2: you know that the athletic director at ASU, do you know what his old role was? You want to talk about hypocrisy? Do you know do you know what Mike Edwards did uh, previously? What? Uh, he was he was herm edwards agent okay. i mean I find that to be very curious <laughs> that the former agent of herm edwards is digging up this 63 year old from a broadcast yeah. booth in Bristol, Connecticut, and bringing him out to Tempe. Now you're getting me fired up because okay. I, so I see the hypocrisy up. as well. I, I think most of these coaches, I'll say it, I think most of these coaches are absolute charlatans. They sell these kids, oh, we got your back. We're going to, you know, well, I'm in your living room. I'm going to take care of your kid. But you know what? When it's time to go, I'm going to go. I think a lot of these guys are charlatans, and it really ticks me off.
1: Wow. He's pumped it, it, up. It, 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 yeah, it is, it is the dark side of it. You know, I don't, you know, what I have a problem with this is, okay, even let's use Scott Frost as an example. Okay, guys, we're undefeated. I love you guys. But, you know, and he's – so talk to them like men. I got to go to Nebraska. It's a better job. It's a bigger program. It's my dream. Um, okay, so let's say this translates to a kid. All right, let's say the quarterback uh, – well, Milton comes up to him and says, listen, coach, you know, midseason – listen coach I freaking love you man I love this program I love my teammates but Alabama says I can play for them it's a better deal for me I'm gonna leave I love you though and this is difficult how does that go down not very well right so even even the you know that's like I love you honey I'm married I love you honey but you know our neighbor down the street's a little bit richer and you know She's a little bit younger, so you got to understand, but this is really tough on me. I don't buy that. You know, if it's really tough on you, Frost, then you don't do it. It's not really tough on, you know, it's really tough, going to represent your country in a war. <laughs> that, that's what's really tough. You know, you know, what's really tough, you know, being a fireman, running into a fire, uh, you know, to save other people's lives. That's what's tough, leaving a college so you become a multi-multi-millionaire and your kids get free scholarships and free houses, you know, on campus. That's not tough. That's, that's called upgrading. You know, that's, that's called I'm taking a better job. I hate that. It bothers me so much in sports when we see pros to these free agents. Oh, I don't want to leave here, man. It's so brutal. Then don't leave. <laughs> no one's forcing you. No one, no one had a gun Scott Frost has had to leave. And listen, Frost is a good guy. He's staying around and he's coaching. And I don't know how I feel about that either. I I get it for the kids. I'll tell you right now. If I wasn't undefeated, I'm not letting Frost back. I'm from the Bo Schembechler school, all right? I grew up on Bo Schembechler, man. And Bo Schembechler didn't know anything about basketball. He was briefly the athletic director of Michigan. Not a very good one. I might have, but he was... was the Remember, he was the GM of the Tigers. That made sense. That's like Herm Edwards. First thing he did is fire Ernie Harwell. We'll get, you, we'll get you back, yeah, Gabe. Yeah, we'll get to the bone story on the other side. You got about it. About telling Bill Frieder to get off the cat. All right. When
0: we come back, Rich and I will be talking Heisman disappointments. Keep it where it is. Joe Lisi and Rich Sermonella live on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. is just flying here on college football today we're about nine hours away from the presentation of the 2017 heisman trophy but there's been some major disappointments this year rich and i are going to talk about our biggest disappointments i'm going to lead off two sec running backs bo scarborough and darius geist lead my
2: list rich I'm going to take a look at Pac-12 quarterbacks. I I had such high expectations. Didn't we give Sam Darnold the Heisman back in, what? Game one. February. Once they beat Stanford. Yeah, Sam Darnold had a nice season, led the Trojans to the Pac-12 title, uh, and a spot uh, in in a major bowl game. But, uh, I mean, it wasn't the season I expected. Josh Rosen underachieved. Luke Falk underachieved. Yeah, I expected a lot more from the Pac-12. How about Jake Browning? Jake Browning, 41 touchdown passes last year. 18 touchdowns heading into the Penn State game. 41 to 18. So Pac-12 quarterbacks, I expected a lot more from you this year, and you did not deliver.
0: Yeah, I think when you look at 2018, though, I have a lot of optimism for a couple of players. I'll give my top quarterback for me, it is Drew Locke. I was high on him at the start of the year. If he stays, and running back... I like Cam Akers from Florida State Interesting, in Yeah, and
2: Willie Taggart loves to run the ball, kind of a pro-style system in Tallahassee. Now Cam Akers could benefit that entire offense. Think of that backfield. DeAndre Francois, healthy. Cam Akers sure. in the backfield. That could be a very potent running game for Florida State. I'm going to throw a couple names out to you some young quarterbacks. Khalil Tate, we've gotten a taste of what Arizona. he could do. Don't know if he'll get to the Heisman level playing at Arizona unless they go on and win the Pac-12. But he can have a Lamar Jackson-type season after getting a taste of what he could do. How about Jake Fromm at Georgia? You know, the backs are going to sort of, you yeah. know, right. they may not be the focal point. Chubb will be gone. Right. Michelle will be gone. DeAndre Swift will be back. But Jake Fromm's second season in that system I have, I have big expectations for what he could mean to Georgia next season.
0: Well, how about these two quarterbacks? It all depends on health for Will Greer. 34 touchdown passes in two touchdowns. Well, I think he'll be gone. He'll be ah, in the NFL. With the hand? Mark it down. You think He'll so? be in the with NFL. With the hand? He, uh, I,
2: you know, forget the hand. He has a child. I mean, this is someone who's going to be looking for yeah, a payday. Yeah, but from a draft, a draft status, He's I gone. Mean, you think so? He's gone. There's, All right. there's no question uh, about it. Brandon Wimbush would be my other. I, I like Brandon. Wimbush. I'm going to give you another young quarterback. because I want to think a little outside the box. I could say Jonathan Taylor at Wisconsin, but we've seen a lot from him this year. How about Baker Mayfield's successor, Kyler Murray? Love Kyler Murray in that offense. It'll be a little more run than pass than what we've seen out of Oklahoma. But Lincoln Riley, his innovation as a coach now, Kyler Murray. We got a we got a kind of hint of him against Kansas. Had the big run to start the game. Tremendous athlete, former five star uh, recruit. I think Kyler Murray at Oklahoma could really be dynamic, and and maybe even Rodney Anderson. Hopefully he gets his off-field problems cleaned up. Rodney Anderson, the running back, could be special if he doesn't go to the NFL Without a doubt.
0: I'll give two more quarterbacks. How about Kelly Bryant? Depending on how he plays in the semifinal playoff game for me as a quarterback. And Jalen Hurts. I mean, now, year number three in the offensive scheme for Nick Saban. I mean, he should have dynamic numbers uh, next year, especially Cal Ridley most likely will be gone. Those wide receivers are raw, but next year should be the year that Jalen Hurts breaks out. Keeping it
2: in the state of Alabama and quarterbacks, Jared Stidham. Uh. Let's not forget about Jared <laughs> Stidham with an additional year in that uh, in that system at Auburn. But going back to Alabama. I'm not convinced Jalen Hurts is going to be the starting quarterback next really? year. I think Tua T- uh, Tago who they love, oh. the kid from Hawaii, I'm telling you, Joe, that is going to be a story in the offseason. Watch Jalen Hurts. If he struggles against Clemson, if he continues to have problems converting as a passer on third downs, watch Alabama have an open competition in the spring for its quarterback. Tyler. Yeah,
0: that, I mean, it all depends upon how they play from an offensive perspective against Clemson. And you can't forget about the Andre Francois as a Heisman uh, front runner for 2018, coming off the patella injury. When we come back, we'll be breaking down all the bowl games. Keep it where it is, Joe Lisi and Rick Sermonello, live in the Fantasy Sports Radio Network Studio 34.